Geek Top 5, Season 5. I'm so happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> this is so exciting. Geek Top 5. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And we are going to hit the ground running because I was looking for like a metaphor to be like the spore drive, like we don't even have to travel, but it just doesn't work when you're narrating a podcast. Star Trek Discovery Season 4 has wrapped uh, literally moments ago, and uh, we're here to sort of put our heads together for it. Obviously, much too big a topic for me and Graham, uh, so we called in some of the experts. Graham, what have we assembled here on the on the, on the the command deck? On the wherever they wherever they come together on Discovery today. Well, we've uh, we've got our standard Star Trek crew. We've got uh, Mr. Dave Clark, also Dungeon Master Extraordinaire. Hello, and uh, we have Zinni, who uh, is is uh, an amazing Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> All right. So what's happening? Uh, we decided not to go sort of episode by episode on this one, and I'm sure it'll come up as to why. Uh, but essentially, we're here to talk about some of the things that we liked about season four. And by we, I mean they, uh, because, uh, look, the thing about Star Trek Discovery is it's controversial for a lot of the reasons. Uh, some of the reasons are super dumb and offensive and kind of like borderline illegal. Um <laughs> but also some legitimate concerns. And I know in my case, it was that, you know, I never really got terribly into the show. Uh, frankly, I bailed after season three. Uh, what I've done uh, to make sure that I can contribute here, I have caught up on everything that happened. I have you know read the blog posts and the reviews and stuff. Uh, but I will be taking the position of referee, whereas our three show viewers uh, who are joining us here today are going to regale us with the stuff that they liked. Uh, so I think we are just going to rotate back and forth and uh, just sort of have a talk. Just, you know, we're four veteran Trekkers. And what do we think about what, you know, the disco crew, or I guess more precisely, Michael Burnham and friends have been up to this time around? Yeah, yeah. So let's let's dive in. We, uh, I, I guess, I, you could say that we're doing this in the spirit of, um, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And so we have brought, we've each brought a list of our top five good things that came from this season. Uh, I think we'll also end up covering some of the things that we didn't like as much. But for now, we're gonna try and keep a positive attitude. We're doing our dueling list format. Uh, we've each brought five. Dave may... I have five. I have five. Okay, okay. Well, why don't we start with uh, Zinni? What is your number five? Okay, my number five... First of all, may I preface this by saying this wasn't an easy thing to do this (laughs) season, but on watching most of the season, I liked it better the second time around, where I was able to sort of just speed through some parts of the show that I didn't like and and but overall i did like it much better the second time i watched it so my number five is tig Natero, commander jet reno who got a much bigger role to play in this season um i always wanted to see more of her every time she was on i was always like why don't they use her more and this this season they did i love her wit i i think of her as an evolved scotty can I jump in and just double check? Did no one else have have Jet Reno on their list? Uh no, but I absolutely love 
Jet Reno in the season and would have loved more. So I, I agree that when she was there, it was it, the show was working better in every sense. Uh, it, but uh, I mean, and that was my understanding is Tig didn't want to do a ton of work. She was happy to be in. Well, she actually four episodes or whatever. I, she actually said part most of the reason was travel to Toronto during COVID. Fair enough. I can't blame her, but I see. I, I enjoyed her too, and I, I thought she was great. And but this is a continuing problem with the show, where there's all of these characters, and we'll get into it later. But like, she's great, and she's not there for ten episodes out of the thirteen episode season, and it, when. It, it feels like poochy a little bit. Like when she's not on screen, everyone's like, where's Jet? But but it's like never addressed why she isn't around. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, Jet's working on this. Oh, here she is. And it was just like completely out of nowhere. I, I, I struggle with that, like from a storytelling perspective. She just disappears for no reason. But let's at least appreciate that they finally gave her something to do this season. Yes, and gave her character some depth. And I especially like the chewing the, the licorice thing. That was fabulous. <laughs> I liked her nickname for Stamets, Bobcat. <laughs> what was that again? Bobcat. Bobcat, that's right. Yeah. Cocktails, yeah. So just as a quick for you know, folks like me who are a little t- tuned out of Discovery, how do we describe, I mean, Zinni, I cut you off just as you were getting to, she's sort of an evolved Scotty. How do we, well, how do we explain quickly? She knows, she knows how to do everything, but she's always complaining about it. The same yeah, she's though. one of she's one of the forty five engineers they have on this show. Yeah, she's but she, the chief engineer, I believe. Is she? I can't keep any of that straight. It, it feels like Stamets is because of the, his prominence. Uh, but Stamets you, is a science officer. He's on blue. That's right, Stamets. And remember, Stamets was brought on just because of the spore drive in season one. Right. Okay. Um, I, I can't, I don't know how else to explain it. She is such a fresh character. She's not like anybody else. And she really stands out. And she's funny in a natural way. Whereas I feel like a character like Tilly, where they're desperately like, isn't she funny? I just feel like, you know, the show's telling me that she's funny more than she's actually funny. Whereas with Tig and, and Jet Reno, it comes a bit more naturally. But this time she also got to be serious and smart and yeah. heroic. Um, I, I just, I loved what they did with her. Hit me with an example. Well, to, she's taken hostage at the end of the uh, the season and and the season finale, I should say. And she figures out that um, Tark is going to uh, cause an explosion that's going to destroy Discovery. And she manages to convince Book to not believe him and to turn against him. And she figures out a way of warning Discovery. How's that for yeah. heroic? That's pretty good. I feel like at some point we should uh, give a, a, a spoiler a warning. Notes, or n- not even, but just like just a quick breeze through of the whole plot. But I think we'll get there later. Uh, but yeah, that's true. She has uh, some great stuff to do. She has a uh, great chemistry with Book and and some great moments with him. Um, yeah, I, I, again, just wish there was more with her. Yep, Dave, what's your what's you're number five. <laughs> uh, my number five was that the season started off with a literal bang. Um, uh, 
the 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 way this this season uh, opened up. I mean, apart from the cold open that was a direct pull from one of the one of the JJ verse uh, movies. The 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 sort of the we were on on the ground running with with the explosions and the DMA showing up uh, pretty darn quick. And I really enjoyed that. I felt like the other seasons were kind of like, okay, slow to go, slow to go, slow to go, kind of. But that that did it for me. Like I was, I was really sort of happy to see that we were, we were getting to some meat. I, I at the beginning, after the first episode, with the apart again, apart from the the cold open, I was like, okay, just you know, there's stuff here. Why not? This is going to work. This could work. I was, yeah, I was just talk, standing around talking about their feelings. Yeah, <laughs> well, it, uh, that did come later. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, and and also in a, in a sense, like there was momentum, like uh, discoveries running around trying to get uh, people back in the Federation. They're bringing aid. They've got the lithium now. They're rebuilding warp networks. Uh, there was. There was there was momentum. There was promise. There was it was, there was hope. Yeah, there was yeah, action. I, I really like those glances that we get into sort of the the bigger picture of what's going on with the Federation or in with the galaxy. I guess since not all of it's the Federation, at least when we start. Um, I I think we talked about this in season three. That like that's what I that's kind of what I want more of. I want to see, like, what is it like when you're reestablishing trade, when people are starting to get warp drive again? Like, what's changed because of that? I, I, I really like well, whenever they touch on that. You're sliding into my number three. You, and we got about 20 <laughs> minutes of it, Jesse, and that was about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, why don't we do my number five, which is uh, the, I believe it's the new bar set that they have. Ah, that was not on my list. No, but I like not it. Fine either, but good one. <laughs> it was beautiful. It's like uh, I think in the previous seasons there was more of like a mess hall vibe, or like a you know, just like a lunchroom a where they would go almost. And, yeah, yeah, and they would go and eat there and hang out. And this time they built this beautiful um, update on Ten Forward. It felt like, and it was it was a, just a great set with a big fireplace and, and it seemed like a place you would actually want to go and hang out and have a good time. You, Had a kind of a nightclub vibe. It was great. Do you, the drinks and, sorry, the drinks in the finale looked a lot like Stormcrow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They were on fire. Um, do you think we're meant to believe that that is the same room as that mess hall that it's just been refurbished or is that a different room on the ship? I feel like it's got to be a different room. Like I, I'm sure they said it at some point in the season, but it feels like an executive lounge. It's like they're in that final shot of the, them all hanging out there and celebrating it in the last episode. It's not, it's clearly not the whole crew of the ship that's there. It's like the senior staff that are having hanging out there. And I was wondering like, well, what, what are the lower decks guys doing in this scene they're in the old one (laughs) yeah (laughs) because in in um uh harry mudd come back in in season two uh they have they're having a party in the mess hall right yeah and and it's very clearly a decorated mess hall and it's it's not this room but it, it does seem like it's a different shape and it's a different thing 
and I really liked it. It does. I mean, it kind of reminds me of Milestones or something, but like it's still it's still quite nice. I was a little upset that there was a Ferengi bartender. Like, are we not past this level of racism? <laughs> he was an officer, though, right? You had a, he had a yes, he did have a uniform, but they they still made him ten bar. That was almost right, worse. Yeah. It's not a you, civilian. Somebody, somebody on space Twitter is talking about this kind of, you know, making assumptions about people's based on their race, based on their species, right? Ah, commerce is in their blood. It's what they live for. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he just really, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe he, let, he volunteered for that duty. Maybe it's like in did. Lower Decks where the, the guy was like, why are you doing this job? That yeah. disgruntled bartender. Yeah. If you don't want to work at the bar, don't work at the bar. Yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Okay, so let's circle back around to Zinni for number four. Okay, my number four, and I hope it's not controversial, is I think Burnham is finally becoming the kind of starship captain we expect to see on Star Trek. Really? Really. Um, I think... By the end, she's getting there. But... Well, that's what I'm saying. It's it's an arc that goes right from the first episode. So in the first episode, first of all, we all know that she was the rebel who was reckless and made all the wrong decisions and yet somehow always came out smelling like roses in the end. And when she's meeting with the president, the president quotes from her file and it says she has a pathological need to save everyone. And then she accuses her of being prepared to sacrifice the many to save the few. And that's exactly who she was. But then we get to watch her progress through the season. First of all, the speech she makes when she's delivering the dilithium. And um, so first of all, the fact that she's bringing hope to all of these um, planets because she's delivering the dilithium, the speech she makes to the Starfleet cadets. Um, it's actually really inspiring. It sounds like a Starfleet kind of speech. Um, the way she's able to um, negotiate in all of the, the uh, meetings. I mean, she's part of the group that is overseeing how to develop, to get people back into the Federation. And she's able to intervene and be diplomatic and compromise. And so she's, you know, being not just totally on her own, starts being part of the team. There's a lot of these speeches that, um, discussions that she has with the president too. You, you could have just stopped at, there's a lot of these speeches. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but she really does start to, to spout all of the Federation stuff. I mean, they say she's the one that inspired earth and Titan to unite. And, um, I just think that by the end of the, uh, series well even the president says now you're ready and I think we did watch her grow she normally would run off and try and do everything herself and in that last episode when she turns to Detmer and says you have you go on the suicide mission I was joking I was I was <laughs> she's like we need a really good pilot and she turns to Detmer and I have expected her to be like I'm gonna have to go and pilot this <laughs> <laughs> Well, to be super she, she still has, is the guy who actually goes and pilots it himself, and uh, you know, like what was that, Dave? Well, when they're getting out of booby trap, Picard does his own piloting. Oh, I don't like that either. But yeah. at least that was... <laughs> but but uh, yeah, just as a as a a reflection. No, I I agree. I I, I agree that she's 
she's growing as a captain. But I think that we've also lost a lot of her. Uh, a lot of characterization is missing in the writing from where they started, and I don't know if that's just because they're they were frustrated by by the limitation of of her Vulcan upbringing, or if it was some other thing. But the, a lot of the Vulcanness is gone from her characterization. But that's been gone since season two. I mean, like the Vulcan stuff gets dropped really fast. But even like character like she's you know in season two she's a lot like her brother in a lot of ways and i think that you know that's part of what they're they're showing us in uh but it, as soon as we get to the future i mean you you get you the the writers have the out of she was here for a year by herself hanging out with book and and i get that i buy that but like i feel like there's still there's still room to have that if you want but it feels like now she is she is a person who is. Uh... But she leans on that in the negotiations where she says, I will be the, the liaison because I'm from Earth, but I was trained in logic. I was going to bring that up in a negative way because it was <laughs> once again a thing where it's like, well, Burnham's the only one who can do it. Oh, we've got to find a way for Burnham to be the hero of this situation. It's not really because it's the president that's manipulated her into doing it. I, I, that's that's fair. I you know I don't remember the details that well. I just remember in the moment rolling my eyes. <laughs> I I felt like she says she's trained in logic a lot, but she doesn't necessarily always act like it. That that's that's I think what I'm getting. At. Book ruined her. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, why don't we go to Dave's number four? Uh my number four is that I have been proven right. About the Federation's relationship with AI. <laughs> and if you'll remember from my last visit to your fine show, uh, I, I made a long point about, oh, after I had watched everything, about how AI is missing from Federation computing. And mm. uh, it's, you know, finally been put on screen explicitly that they, they don't allow it. And uh, I, I will now rest on my laurels and uh control pardon me is that because of control i i assumed it was and that was one of the things that i had said canonically that point that works in chronological order that it's because of control uh and m5 um that the federation decides to move away from using ai in its uh, in its control system. And that's why they're freaked out about Zora. And that's why they're freaked out about Zora. But uh, they've finally given... Discovery is finally... You know, we're far enough in the future, and David Cronenberg says it's okay now. So here we go. Love him. <laughs> I love him too. Yeah. He says it's okay, it's okay by me. I did like that uh, that they worked their way through how to deal with the fact that the sphere data had uh, taken hold of the ship uh, in both, you know, like and a, a somewhat organic way, but also in a like this has consequence, but it is also uh, science fictionally interesting 
this is you're, you're saying like when he asks the computer lady to enlist basically is what you're getting to yeah well that's that's sort of the that's that's the end of it but like because you have this problem from the from season two all the way through season sort of through season three it's sort of like not worried about until it's deus ex at the end it saves them but um in this season we actually sort of are dealing with it as an arc and it, it kind of it has it has a more appropriate like it's better written that it is in fact happening yep yeah it's 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 not my favorite part of the season but i it was interesting to follow Especially the last scene where they figure, well, the sec, I guess it was in the penultimate episode where they figure out if she's empath, if she's that worried about them, then they don't have to be afraid of her. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go the opposite of that. If, if, because, uh, that's, that's, that's every science fiction book is that, oh, the AI is overprotective and it's not going to let you do anything. That's, that's. But they were able to talk her, talk her into giving them the information. So they no, in this case, they were yeah, because they made her work. They made them work together for sure. Okay, so this is going to bleed into my uh, my number four, which is uh, they spend a bit more time developing the side characters, Zora included. Before I go on, is that something? Is that touching on so, so other stuff people have? No, do it. So you get a, a bit more depth with Zora. You get uh, the episode with uh, Kun doing the boxing. Um, there's just some of the, the more minor characters have a chance to shine. You get a bit more Detmer. I, actually, a, a, a decent amount more Detmer. It feels like too little too late in some ways because it's like a lot of it just feels like it's coming out of nowhere these are characters who have just been sitting on the ship for the last four years and finally they're like oh by the way Oshikun is also a boxer you know like, oh, all right and uh Detmer has a weird relationship with her dad it was just like throwing these things out there they've done that on all the Star Trek series it's in a way though it's kind of more sci-fi when they did it before right this is Spock's inner eyelid but with personality yeah. traits. <laughs> yeah, I have, I mean, my, my feeling with that was is that it's, oh, is a boxer. That's great. But we have had several opportunities to learn that before in the same way that uh, Chakotay is a boxer was, that was the worst thing that ever happened. On Voyager. And with with Jakote, it's like he was a main character yeah. and then all of a sudden he's a boxer and has never mentioned it. These characters, it's just like they're silent and then all of a sudden like, oh by the way, oh they're it's not oh by the way, I'm a great boxer. It's oh by the way, Wojakun's a great boxer. We all know that. That's a, a fact that we've had forever. And it feels like uh, I'm they're watching a different show, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think I th- one of the things that for me that is the the uh, Sometimes I wish that Discovery had 24 episodes a season because that's how you get sort of backstory and naturally occurring characterization. Uh, I think it also helps that it's the other shows were ensembles and you know the captain was more of uh the would get a bit more attention but like or like the captain and spock or the captain and data but everyone would have 
moments in every episode to shine. There are like seasons where Detmer doesn't do anything. Nilsson is seems to be just like a pretty face that they cut to looking concerned every once in a while. It's like they they're set dressing. They're not actually characters on the show. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that that has a lot to do with it. Star Trek, Michael Burnham, but, you know. But I think, Dave, it's also because they only have 10 episodes or 12 episodes. So I, I agree. And it's also they're doing 12 episodes on one arc. Yeah, and, it, and I think that's also yeah. problematic. And in season two, it was it was the Spock show, you know, yeah. like it was in and, and Captain Pike. So you've changed several times. I thought uh, Saru was going to be out for this season. And, you know, I think that would have been better in terms of getting to know these other characters. But, no, they're sticking with Doug Jones. They're going to stick oh, with they movie-worfed him? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you get two captains on this ship. You have a captain-ranked first yeah. officer. I mean, sure, they did that with with uh, original series as well, yeah. Um, but it's... But- before we get too far off track, I just want to make a, a last point. Like, just having 13 episodes isn't an excuse because Lower Decks has that many episodes and they're half as long. And yet all of those characters are more fleshed out. The bridge crew of Lower Decks is more fleshed out than some of these characters. <laughs> yep. In a way, you're right. That's totally a fair agree. point. Totally agree. Mind you, they're talking as much as the, they do in these episodes in, in Lower Decks. They get through just as many pages of dialogue. They're going yeah. so fast. Speed, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, let's let's move on. Let's go to Zinni's number three. Okay. Don't yell at me. Okay. <laughs> no promises. <laughs> I loved the discussions. I the philosophical discussions on what Starfleet is, what the Federation is. Um how they're going to put all of, you know, this, this fractured universe that has been, you know, crumbled, um, how they're going to put it back together again and how they're going to get people to believe in, in Starfleet again, when things went so badly. And then what is the Federation about? Do we believe in diplomacy? Do we go with, you know, do we go with diplomacy or do we go with violence? What if the bat, what if the aliens aren't good guys? What if they can't be talked to? Maybe they don't care and they, they want us to die. I really found the discussions they were having totally absorbing. Um, we always used to accept the fact that the Star- that Starfleet and the Federation were all good and all wise and all knowing and they're the saviors of the universe. Um, but then in DS9, when Section 31 came out, people got really upset. They thought the Federation would do bad things. And then in Undiscovered Country, when the Admiral uh, was mutinous, had the plot against the peace talks with the Klingons, people were really upset. That's not Starfleet. And when Lorca, when they thought Lorca was actually from this universe and he was such a bad captain, everybody, like, that's not Starfleet. I loved listening to them debate about this. And I found the discussions really absorbing, especially discussions about first contact. And and I just, I got really into it. I, I, I'm not going to yell at you. I, I love those things too. <laughs> I, the problem I had with it in this season of this show was when they stopped the action clock to do it. Outside think, of the boardroom, yes. 
You know, like they, there was a, there was more than a few occasions where they were literally, you know, barreling towards destruction, and somehow they had an extra ten minutes to discuss the philosophy of their current action. You know, and 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 in some cases it worked. Like the 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 main boat. Uh, scene I thought uh, worked really well. Yes. Um, I, I, there's a lot of them, and I, I totally agree with you. I do like hearing those discussions. Um, but uh, but uh, in a lot of cases, I found in this season, it just it both was unbelievable that they would stop in this moment to have this type of discussion, and also for the flow of an episode, it really interrupted the the uh, momentum my focus though is those meetings sure where they were gathered together and actually having these these debates and i just i was totally fascinated Love yeah it. i think the uh the feelings talks were where it really ground to a halt where it was like long talks and, and hallways about oh i'm not i'm feeling sad about this or i'm anxious and it's Definitely just like me, yeah. let's go move on uh yeah, the, but, the, but I, I enjoy the philosophical discussions, too. I, I just wish that the show found a way to foreground those more and, and and make them more interesting to the plot or, like, more connected to the plot. Like, have something – it doesn't need to be uh, revolving around another world-ending plot or galaxy-ending plot or whatever it is. But that's it's just like, impetus for how they got – in the end, that's the impetus for how they got everybody to come back into the Federation is when these things happen and it's a, it's a scary place out there. We need to unite and, and work on it together. And that's really the bottom line that, uh, you know, peaceful first contact is in line with Starfleet and Federation ideals. Communication and diplomacy save the most lives and we need to stand together on this is what they concluded. And that's why people flooded back to the, to join the Federation again. It sounds a lot like you need to join us or die. (laughs) Yeah. I'm pretty sure how the mob operates too. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm being facetious. I, I, I agree. It's, it, it does all flow like in an overarching sense. But uh, it's you know, I'm, every every season of this show, the 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 whole galaxy is in trouble. And, Why uh, else would we watch? Well, I'm happy for them to save a, a planet or <laughs> just a planet, just a planet, or you know, just a just just even or like, have one of those discussions, like Zinni, you were describing, yeah. Like, this goes back to what you were saying, Dave, and it's something I've been feeling about the show for a while, is that each arc of this show, I feel like would make one great Next Generation episode. Or a two-parter. Or, or a two-parter, sure, if it's a little more complicated, but like picture like you know, picture the fade up, Galaxy Class, Enterprise D, Captain's Log, there's a weird space thing blowing stuff up. We're gonna have a look. Uh before the first commercial break, it's artificial. Oh no. Uh, then we find out, oh, it's made by these aliens. Let's go talk to them. Crap, we don't understand them. 
this is this is basically my number two. What we're we're yeah, getting on get, now. Yeah, me too. Uh, okay, so maybe <laughs> just stop talking. But like you see, but this is my takeaway like from reading these episodes and from this whole show is maybe one of the reasons why it's so limited is because they're not doing the arc storytelling well. Um, when maybe they would benefit more from episodic, but here I'm, I am overstepping my bounds as referee. I will withdraw for a moment and allow <laughs> and this to occur naturally. General discussion at the end. Yeah. All right. Well, Dave, do you want to do your number three? Is it my turn? I believe so. Yeah. I did like that. The villain was, um, the villain was internal and, and, you know, we never trust him, right? He comes in, we, we understand that he's an asshole. But like, and we we know he's not going to be a good guy. I liked that that he was sort of like the the brain that they need, they have to use, yada yada yada. I liked the villain of this uh, Ruka, uh, uh, Ru Rutarka. Yeah. And sorry, can I clarify? Because yeah. I didn't watch. But the villain's thing is that he knew a guy who he thinks traveled to a parallel universe and he wants to follow him there. That's his he whole spent, deal. He spent like 15 years in in a prison cell with him. Yeah. And basically yeah, it they're... sounds like they love, they fell in love. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But the deal isn't just like, Oh, he can't find him. I'm, I'm just trying. I didn't understand the part where it went. He went to a parallel universe. He escaped. Okay. To a parallel well, my, universe. my understanding in the last episode is that it's, he, that it's not him. It's there's just someone else in this parallel universe. It's another version of him. He's not that, sure. Yeah, it, right. it, it that did fall apart for me a little bit. I just I liked that the the villain had you know he he was a villain of conviction and motivation. Uh, you know his motivation was effectively love, and his conviction uh, and intelligence were the things that that got him through like from A to B to C to D and, and you know, that he wasn't, he did never hit anybody directly. Like it wasn't that kind of villain. Like he was, he was a, he was a brain and a, he's kind of a Lex Luthor. Yeah, exactly. Uh, absolutely. Even nicer than Lex Luthor because right in the end, when he, when he, he tries to save book. I didn't like that. I didn't, I thought that was, <laughs> I thought, I thought I, be, be villainous to the end, be the character you are. That's not this show. I know, I know. (laughs) This show is like, everyone's redeemable, everyone's got a good heart, and you just need to to talk it out. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, you know, I I didn't mind it. I was, when I was watching it, and he had this turn, and he's like, regrets everything. I, I, I wanted to be cynical about it, but I also kind of get it, like, in the face of, of, your impending death. Maybe you see things differently. And his whole um, plan failed. He worked all that time, and he yeah, and, and it's done. It's over. And now. maybe it's like he's always been used to to being the smartest guy in the room and right about everything. And finally, he sings that he's not always right. I don't know. Yeah, he he was good. I I generally like the performance. I think he was a good actor and a good choice for it. Uh, I don't understand why they made him Ryzen like. 
I guess it doesn't matter. Like uh, you're not allowed to ask why someone's a specific species, Graham. Uh, that's not cool. <laughs> but it just seemed like a weird throwaway thing. Like he's from Riza and he's got this weird little I, I, tattoo so, on his I forehead. Think, yeah, I think they were just trying to give you know you're gonna hire someone who's gonna be here a lot. You want to do low makeup, right? I think that's I think to make him human. Yeah, well, everybody else is human. <laughs> I think you have to be outside because they, you had to get captured by the Emerald Chain, right? You had to be outside of, of the Emerald Chain. Uh, of the, I guess you had to be inside the Emerald Chain to control area. Okay. But yes, I agree with you. It was kind of, it was kind of a distracting bit of mud on his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> and it, ultimately, it came to, to like... Like the whole thing about the Risens are they're a pleasure planet and they're all about people pleasing and this guy's the opposite. So it's like, well, he's not, you know, you can't judge an entire species like that, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he gives good whiskey as gifts. <laughs> That's, there you go. That's why they needed him <laughs> for the good Risen whiskey. I, 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 I'm, I'm probably too fixated on it. I just, I didn't, I didn't get the point of making him Risen. Sometimes like make them a new species. No point in who you are. <laughs> well, that's deep. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna talk to my therapist about that. I mean, I'm all for them adding a little Star Trek color to it. Like, let's, you know, like one of the first things that happened in Discovery was that there were a bunch of new alien races, and we were all thinking, like, where are the Tellarites? Where are the Bolians? Where are the Andorians? Where are the Klingons? Why weren't they oh, part of any of this? Well, because they did the Klingons in season one and two, and look how well that turned out. I'll tell you, they, they did do a, the throwaway line that got me in this episode, uh, this final episode, was when the president, when they're saying, oh, they're, this is a, this, this 10C is a unified species, and the president's like, like the Borg? And you're like, wait a minute, I have a question about the Borg in 900 years from now, if the president knows about them. I would like to know more about what the Borg I, is doing 900 I years thought, in the future. I thought they were going to say it's the Dominion. Yeah, sure. They but, sounded yeah, more the, like the, the Changeling than they did the Borg. Right. Absolutely. And that would have been also give me, I have questions, you know, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, but we saw, we did see a, a shapeshifter in the, uh, of the Dominion species. Yes, we did. In the boxing planet there. When they were chasing the Isolinium. Okay, well, I'm going to jump ahead to my number three. And um, it's going to sound like a sort of a backhanded thing, but I, I, there are a bunch of characters, sort of main-ish characters that leave in the show. And they actually, they go. They don't just like disappear like Jet Reno does, where they're like, oh, she's just on another part of the ship. Don't worry about her. Tilly leaves to go to Starfleet Academy and be a teacher there and Gray go gets his uh, robot Picard body and then goes to back to the Trill homeworld and then you also have Bryce leaving <laughs> a character who I am always trying to remember his name because he's one of those guys that barely has anything to do although he got a bit of development and the real reason he left is to star in a CBC TV show but there. I do like that they're, you know, if if the story is done or they don't need the character, they're just like, we've already got way too many characters. We keep introducing new ones. Let's cut some of the chaff for a bit. So it's good. I, I, I think the downside, 
of it a little bit is that my concern is that the rumored Starfleet Academy show is going to be like a Tilly show. It's the, the... You really don't like her, do you? <laughs> I just don't need that much of her. <laughs> you know, she's she's she was less objectionable in the finale. Yeah, yeah. I think her stuff with the Admiral, Admiral Vance was really good. Uh, and I, it, it was refreshing. She wasn't uh, as annoying as she is. And because she but see, this actually follows along in the storyline. She left because she was unhappy yep. in her yeah. job. And so now that she's doing something she likes, you can tolerate her better. <laughs> yeah. That, there you go. Well, that's great. So so I, I, I'm not a big fan of the idea of doing a, a Starfleet Academy show to begin with, but for some reason, the idea of it being in this year 3000 timeline makes me even less interested in it. I'd rather they go and do something in the 24th century or, or whatever, but yeah, I'm with you on that. Fine. Like I was, I was confused. I thought the Starfleet Academy show was going to be the kids show with, with uh, Kate Mulgrew. That uh, mm, that's a prodigy. That's a prodigy now. I mean, it, uh, but that's not obviously that's not the same show. So I, my understanding when they when they were talking about the, that development is that was that development, but that is not what is happening. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that anyone has officially said, but they. That all we know is that there is some sort of Starfleet Academy show in the works, and then all of a sudden Tilly hates her job and wants to go teach people at Starfleet Academy. It feels a little too neat and tidy, and it would be actually kind of weird if they if they don't do that. Yeah, like if it wasn't a pocket pilot, a back pocket pilot. Yeah, yeah, like like having them say that there's going to be a Section 31 show and then have uh, Giorgio join Section 31, and you've got the ex Klingon guy who's in section 31. And then all of a sudden they're like, it's actually going to be a Dr. Bashir show. It's going to have nothing to do with those guys. That would be great, but also very weird. Yeah. Although I'm sure Sadig would be up for it. (laughs) Sure. He's he's doing fan fiction on his YouTube channel. That's (laughs) sad. Uh, yeah. So I, and we haven't even talked about gray. Uh, like it's, it's, Kind of weird. Gray was sort of a big part of last season. I don't know. It, it felt like he was supposed to be a big part, and then they didn't really do much. Yeah, and then it happened here too, where he, he gets his body, has a plays a board game with uh, Zora, and then disappears again. Yeah, but, but this time, literally, it felt like Did they, they signed contracts before they actually had scripts written. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it. Like, yeah, let's. We've got this idea for the, the how to develop these characters, and then they got too many threads, and they did nothing with Gray. That's exactly that's we I, we are in agreement. Did they ever explain why Gray is around? Like he was kind of like a ghost or something. Did yeah. that ever get? No, I mean the the I, the conceptually the the till the trill memories got put into. Uh, Dira, and then taken out and put in this body with the host into this. But uh, Adira wasn't prepared, wasn't supposed to have a host. That's right. It wasn't supposed to be a host. I mean, they they are a human. They, yeah, they were. So I mean, there's something about that that I don't recall the exact explanation. Yeah, we got a little 
bonkers in season three. It, it does seem a little hand wavium, and well, like Star Trek does that yeah. a lot, but they do it within their own rule set. You know, like if like if there's something if there's a subspace anomaly and they can solve it with tachyons, it's whatever. <laughs> but like we've established the rules for how the trill work, and it's like, well, the the other personalities are just that they're just memories. Yeah. But this one was like projecting outside; like it looked like an imaginary friend. Oh yeah, only and- Adira could see Gray. Yeah. Until until they went to that planet oh, where everyone right. changed species, and then they could see Gray. Right, because there was... And then it was like, oh, you're not just crazy. This is a real thing. And then I don't remember how they resolved it. They didn't. Into... That's it. By the end of season three, that didn't get touched on. It was one of the well, outstanding threads. It It's addressed... I, I It's been so long since I watched the beginning of this season, but there's some sort of addressing of it, because Gray... It's not like they're just suddenly in the uh, the the android body. There's a storyline where yeah, they ha- they have to go get a trill uh, keeper of the magic waters or what have you, and uh, he does a, a ritual and it's it's and it takes a while and there's yeah. a whole thing and they have to build the body and it takes a, even longer and. It's, it's, right, well, it, it, was, I, it was one of the major sort of feelings plot lines, but it was also seemed like it was in the show to help get Adira to be a, quote, normal character, as opposed to a character who is constantly talking to someone who's invisible, which makes it very difficult to actually function in the context of a Star Trek show. like. Yeah, I guess I didn't mean to derail this whole thing, but I'm just looking for, like, to the point of where they're they're writing out these characters they don't need. This seemed like a strange one because it seemed like there was a lot of attention paid to these two characters, and then this season they just didn't really amount to much. Well, it doesn't always work. That's I mean, I think it's a... I think it's a continuing problem with the show where they're like... They try stuff they feel- and it doesn't work and they abandon it. Yeah, or they write something they're like, we're going to have a lot to do with that character. And then they start the next season and they're just like, never mind, we had nothing to do with this character. Like like uh, Nan or whatever her name was, the the woman who the came. Yeah, yeah oh, the Barzan. Back for one episode? Yeah, yeah, but like she, they had this whole thing where she left the Enterprise and joined Discovery so she could go into the future. And then she had one episode and then she was like, well, see you later. And then they bring her back for one episode this season. It's just like, why send her into the future if you had no idea what you were going to do with her? Yeah. Agree. I, it would, it's the, I think there, there, there's a lot of seat of the pants happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they understand what their main arc is going to be, but they don't understand what, how they're going to get from A to B to C to D. But I feel like they've already got the contracts signed. You know, from the meta perspective, I think, like, in a lot of cases, they're like, oh, you're going to have three episodes or, you know, however many days, and you're going to have however many days, and we'll figure it out when we get there. Well, we should get back on track, but yeah, I think we can say that one in particular is a strange one. But okay, uh, just so to, to back up, Graham, I appreciate them trying to refine the show. I think. I think that's good. I think them sort of trying to figure out where the show actually lives is is helpful, and I think it might be getting better. In you know, but 
that's just me. Yeah. That's that was your okay. point, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I, my, I guess my point came down to like every season they're adding more characters, and at some point you gotta, you gotta sacrifice people. You can't just keep adding and adding and adding. And I, I do think it's good that they finally cut some people out who weren't really serving much of a purpose. But it also feels like some of the cast gets completely underserved because they're always introducing new characters, and they're like, "Oh, new shiny toy, let's play with those." Oh, anyway, work. Let's move on. Yeah. 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 Okay, Zinni, what's your number two? Okay, my number two is episode twelve, <laughs> um, <laughs> Species Ten C. That episode was the first real Star Trek episode, and it was a great episode. I'm going to stop you, Zinni. That's my number one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was basically my my number two, more or less. So so. So we're going to, I mean, it sounds like we're going to circle back shortly. Is yeah. it worth leaving or do, should we just hit this now? Let's, let's leave it for now and we'll do a Dave's number two. Yeah. So my number two is, uh, the first three quarters of, uh, episode four. <laughs> You're getting very specific. Okay, what happened in the first three quarters of episode okay, so four? So episode four is uh, All is Possible, and it's the episode where uh, Tilly is leading the uh, cadet on, an, uh, uh, on an, a training mission, uh, and they crash, and uh, they have to work together. It uh, To me, it felt like uh, at the beginning, I, I really enjoyed it. Like it was, it was, it was. It, this episode was an episode for me, an episode of Star Trek. Uh, you know, it was. It contained. It had a, its own self-contained story for the most part, the A plot at least. Um, uh, I thought Tilly was great in it. I thought. Um, I thought the characterization worked. I thought. The uh, action was good. I thought the tension was good. I thought her arc in the in the episode was good. I just didn't like that she decides to leave at the end. Like I thought that was like okay. If you've grown this character, now we want to see more of the character. If we're going to grow the character, but she grew into her new role, which is to lead cadets. So, yes, she grew into the new role, which was not on the ship, and I <laughs> understand that. Uh, you know, being someone who uh, has left jobs and, and things like that, that all makes sense. But from a viewer of a show, is if you, you grow into a, a character I want to see more of, I would like you to stay so you can show me that more. <laughs> Not go somewhere else to show me that more later on a different show. That so You didn't like the, the other part of the, or the B plot, which was the negotiations. I didn't mind the negotiations. I, I um, it was not, it wasn't a problem, uh, but uh, the my favorite part was the 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 a plot. The, the I kind of had the exact opposite reaction as you did, Dave. In, in that, I found that episode such a cliche and such a trope. The like field trip goes wrong and new teacher has to balance out all the personalities and we all learn an important lesson about teamwork along the way. I was just like Bot crash landing in the shuttle. Yeah, but I mean Giants? I I like that. I like that episode. But yeah, it's it episode. 
very similarly for sure but i think the idea of making it students makes it even more cliche okay then it was wesley and picard <laughs> yeah yeah it's a mix of those two but i feel like i've even seen it on different shows uh like non-star trek shows it's like it just didn't do anything for me i didn't like any of the cadet characters oh, it all felt it. contrived I, I liked it i just it's been done wow i didn't like it <laughs> Dave likes it. there you go agree to disagree <laughs> Okay, well, maybe we should jump ahead then. Yep. Uh, why don't we get back to talking about the DMA and the the whole uh, the 10C plot? Well, what's your number two, Graham? Or if we already had that, mine is basically the the, the sci fi plot okay. and the yeah. So, do we go to my number one, or do we do the do we do the number two? Let's let's talk about this. What you know, ours our number two and Dave's number one, and and oh, do okay. that since it's still fresh. Please, All right. Please. Should I go? Go ahead, Timmy. Yeah. Okay. So, like I said, this I found this one to be a, a great episode, a great penultimate episode. Although parts of it were really a ripoff of the movie Arrival. Have you? Which I assume. Yeah. Seen. Oh, yeah. Um, but even so, um, first of all, I love that the species was not just another humanoid with with plaster on its face, <laughs> or you know, more limbs. Um, the, the way they figured out the language, I was totally fascinated. I was like glued to the set, trying to understand what they were saying. I thought it was great. Even though, again, the use of the language of mathematics, um, that's been used in science fiction many times, but again, they used it so well and it was the universal translator was useless. Um, which was, you know, they had to face a challenge they'd never faced before. And the technology was so advanced, even though they're in the 32nd century. So that was great. There was tons of suspense on books ship, um, you know, as uh, the book is figuring out what's going on in Reno and Tarka and the fight. So that was exciting. And um, the suspense of trying to, to, to communicate with 10C while the clock is ticking down on the destruction of Earth and Navarre. There's betrayal where, you know, General Ndoya aids um, Tarka's plan and Tarka betrays book. Then there's even comic relief. I loved the screaming session between Saru and Burnham. Um, I thought that was um, actually really interesting um, portrayal. Like I thought it was really realistic that the captain is freaking out a little bit and can't really tell anybody that she's freaking out. So I mean, she quietly goes away with, you know, her best friend and they scream it out. I thought that was great. Um, it had the cat in it again. I love grudge. <laughs> and it even had romance. So you've got Saru and Tarina. I mean, she has like a passionate outburst. She says, you're a person I have great fondness for. Okay, well, that's that's starting to tread on my number one. So I'll pause you on okay, that. Okay, just one more thing. The last line of the episode. You have to stop us whatever it takes. I was waiting for the dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I mean, it was just fabulous. I watched it again. Like I watched, as soon as I finished it, I watched it again. I thought, it was wow, great. that is high praise. There you go. For, especially for this show. Yeah, I, I mean, my thoughts on it were that it's uh, the I, I like the idea of this sort of hyper advanced mining device that, that that's what the DMA turned out to be. And it was just like, I like the sci fi conceit of this 
tool being sent out with no thought to the consequences of its actions and they have to go and find this hyper advanced species and explain to them why it's a problem and learning to talk with them was a cool plot too but I kept thinking this is the sort of thing that would be resolved in one episode on Next Generation and might be better served for it. Yeah, I mean, I think, like I get, um, with the the episode before, they spend a lot of time finding smells. And <laughs> and, and you're like, okay, well, I get it, I get it, I get it. Like, but, and and obviously they need those things to get to this, like, they're writing this long chain of events. It's all I honestly think that you do the the last four episodes as a movie. You do the first yeah. episode and then the last four episodes as a movie. Um uh, but yeah. out in one episode wouldn't would I don't think would have been well, I want to say realistic, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I do, I do agree. But <laughs> like figure this out in one episode. Yeah. You wanna, you wanna, you wanna for this for for episode twelve for Species Ten C, the the bridge language. I, I really did enjoy living through the the creation of the the communication and understanding how that communication, that bridge language, all those sorts of things, uh, was to take place and 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 how the how that was working and and getting to go from A to B to C to D with them through it. Um, thoroughly enjoyable. I'm not sure I loved Primal Screen Therapy <laughs> on as shown on television. Uh, but I get it. Like, I totally get it. Uh, you know, and I get that it works. Um, but I... I the, uh, my favorite thing about this was was the language, was the communication, the way that they designed, uh, wrote that story and designed it, showed it to us, and laid it all out. It really was fascinating. I I like that a lot. And then where it fell apart a little bit for me in the last episode was there. They're like, well, tell them such and such thing. And they're like, oh, we don't have time to formulate how to say that. And then they go down onto the planet and actually meet them. And suddenly everyone's monologuing. Uh, at great length about the depth of their feeling and whatever. And Saru's trying to translate it. I just want to see, go into Saru's head. Like what? I don't know how to say this. This is a language with math. Like what am I typing here? This time. Yeah. <laughs> it I, just felt I, I like. I rewatch it. To, Zora was helping them this time. And the alphabet well, had been updated. Yeah. Okay. It just felt like, why not keep it simple, you know, <laughs> instead of trying to, like, these things don't understand the concept of one. there being more than one, and meanwhile, they're like, uh, this is what love is, and I'm sad because my planet, and blah, 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 and it's just like, just like, keep it simple. Hey, That's you know, all. I, and I'm, I'm the only female here, I don't, you know, God, I can't believe I just said that I'm gonna, what I'm gonna <laughs> say, but I actually teared up at the whole book thing at the end. Him coming back? Well, no, when he died. Oh, when he died. We thought he was alive. Well, in the finale. We thought he was alive and then he wasn't. Yeah. I I thought it did a disservice to that moment by bringing him back. Wait, is he he back or is he dead? He's alive. He never really died. 
They didn't actually bring him back. They put him in stasis. No, I, I totally agree. But I mean, from the perspective of the audience, ah. we, I thought it was, I thought the, it was very effective that he, they didn't manage to say the discovery was unable to save him as the ship exploded, uh, as, as a emotional, uh, pinnacle moment. Um, and then when species 10 C says, Oh no, no, we just, we just put this, the transport signal in stasis and here he is. It's fine. <laughs> I thought that sort of did a disservice to the previous moment. I don't think I could have handled it if they killed him. <laughs> oh, really? I, I thought I it would have been... I think... But I, you know what? I'm so done with all of the shows nowadays in the, in the last five years or so think they have to kill people. I thought yeah. the opposite. I think... Sorry. do that and it just makes me crazy whatever happened to the old where everybody's happy in the end <laughs> well this show is all about grief and so i kind of on one hand i was like well maybe they are gonna kill him just so they can carry on this whole grief strain and all of next season will be about burnham being sad yet again but i didn't really like i don't know i just didn't think he was dead from from the moment the transporter thing disappeared i was like well he's even if he's not back this season, it's a transporter buffer thing, and he'll be back th- at some point. Uh, but it did feel like an extra bit of a cop-out to bring him back immediately. But I don't know. I'm I'm all over the place. I didn't want him to die either. I like Book. He's one of the, the most likable characters on the show. The cat would and... have been so sad. Yeah. <laughs> But on the other hand, he also is like uh, he committed war crimes basically in in this uh, lead up to this, and his penalty is like work release, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's where I think you were going, Dave. Right, like in terms of the way, like his like his character, like he fell, kind of, you know, he turned to the dark side. Yeah, and then it would have been a very fitting emotional catharsis for him to have like sort of sacrificed himself for his redemption in a way. Yeah. Absolutely. And that could and, now, and that could be the end of the arc and and you can like I I thought it was yeah, uh, uh, as you said Zinni, I thought it was very effective emotionally when the the yeah. transport signal was lost and and Burnham feels that has to feel it, has to process it and then has to move on because they still have to negotiate. Um, I thought that was amazingly effective. And she but pulls the, herself the, together and can, moves on. Yes, right? absolutely. I, I agree with you there. But then when when they they give him back to them, I thought I was like, oh, well, then you know. But it also shows the empathy of the of the alien. Sure, Which absolutely. To emphasize. And don't forget when they punt, when his sentence was go take care of the refugees, the pre- Burnham says to the president, I'm not asking you for any leniency. And she says, but there are always reasons without understanding the reasons there can be no justice. Totally agree. Totally. Agree. I, I agree, but it feels like a cop out answer. <laughs> like not all answers. Well, just because there's a reason. Doya. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Which one was in Doya? The general who sabotaged. Oh, right. The ship, yep. <laughs> she had reasons, so. <laughs> well, you there know. you go. <laughs> and she made them, yes, that's true. Yeah, it's, it's, 
you know, I'm glad that he's going to have to go pick up trash on the beach after <laughs> almost causing the destruction of the entire galaxy, but w- whatever. It's, it's refugees. He's not cleaning up the beach. It's very topical. I, I agree. There's a lot of fun uh, pollution analogies in this whole thing. Um, a, yeah, the void that the uh, that Tennessee leaves behind, toxic waste. Yeah, yeah, lots of very topical things. You're right with the refugees and and but and also with the environmental aspects. They they did manage to tie in a lot of real world stuff to make it feel relevant. Although I'm sure this was filmed before the war. Yeah, but there's always refugees. Yeah, Okay, so why don't we... What, Zinni, what's your number one? My number one is my favorite new character, um, the president, Lara Rillick. Lara Rillick is the new president of the Federation, not her. She's like half, half, half Cardassian. Woman, part Cardassian and part Bajoran. I love how they threw all three. Oh, oh. That's fun. So initially, when she starts on the show, she is not at all impressed with Burnham. And she thinks Burnham is just the worst thing and, and is not fit to command and she wouldn't let her do anything. Um, the first th- the way we're introduced to her though, I loved, which is the president gets to introduce us to the Archer space dock. And the introduction is made to the theme of the, mu- uh, the theme music from enterprise, which I just, I really enjoyed that. Um, the like closing credits theme, right? It wasn't uh, yeah. no, not Faith of the Heart. Let's speak of the song. <laughs> not the Lord Stewart. It's the and the first, she accompanies um, she accompanies Burnham on on the mission to save the space station, and she questions every decision she makes. But she does say something interesting. She says, "I'm not questioning your decisions. A question doesn't imply questioning." which I love. But in the end, she says, no, but you're the captain. But she's so de- adept at politics. Um, when she's trying to, to calm the space commander down, she does it by talking about all, you know, wouldn't you want to see your home world? And like, you know, the way the falls, you know, the water falls at midnight when the sun is shining or whatever. And she manages to calm down because she just happens to know everything about this guy's home world. And Burnham says, were you really ever on his home world? Did you lie about that? And she says, so what if I lied? I I thought that was great. And when Burnham mourns the fact that there are three dead and four wounded on the space station, she says, yeah, but nine people get to go home. She always knows the right thing to say. And she teaches Burnham the lessons of the Kobayashi Maru. And that's how Burnham ends up becoming a better captain. You are not immune to failure. Not everything is possible. And leadership is about balance. And you have to learn what weight is yours to carry and what's not. And you need to have the willingness to accept all potential outcomes of a command decision and make the hard calls regardless. And in the end, that's what happened. That's what Burnham does. She's just so, she says all the right things. I love strong female characters. And she just says all the right things at the right times. She it hasn't got any hidden agendas. Way we always thought with Vance, like, oh, is he really going to be an evil admiral? You want, this woman is always above board, always knows how to do the right thing. When the terrorists are um, extradited to Navarre instead of being prosecuted for murdering a Starfleet officer, 
um, Burnham's really upset and really turns to her and, and, and names off the names of his children. I mean, she knows everything about this officer, but she understands why that decision was made. She's just, I just love everything she does and everything she says. Um, and she's incredibly courageous. She goes on these missions and you think, oh, great, she's going to be an anchor. No, she knows exactly what she's doing all the time. And I just really enjoyed her character and I love the way they wrote her. I I can't disagree with any of that. For some reason, she doesn't quite click with me and and the i i don't know how to say this in a non-controversial way she's a little too canadian for me very good that's exactly what she is yes (laughs) by which you mean like always right and very impressive (laughs) always kind (laughs) well i i mean even more specifically the actress is canadian and there's something about her personality or her line delivery or something that just it doesn't ring like american tv acting it rings like canadian tv acting and she just doesn't doesn't fit somehow i don't know i don't know how to explain it other than she's too canadian we always complain about there's no politicians out there's no Winston Churchills out there anymore that kind of thing in the final episode no it was it set penultimate episode where she's having the discussion about whether or not to tell the crew that the DMA is on its way to kill earth and Navarre and yeah. and Burnham says the crew needs to to know that there's somebody solid who is going to take care of them and she turns to the president Burnham does and says you're my president too it's like, I need you to be this great leader. And I thought that was fabulous. It's exactly who she was. She's the politician we all wish we had. Mm. That is high praise. None of that really came through in the Wikipedia articles. They didn't get the Canadian part in the, it's inter- the summaries. It's interesting because the, the two other presidents of the Federation that we've met have been very, I mean, I mean, they've been red for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we don't get him for very long. Like he doesn't, he doesn't make a lot of, he doesn't. We don't get a lot of time with him. And then we get the president during the uh, the Dominion during Homefront DS Nine, and he is wishy washy like you wouldn't believe, right? Like he's he is weak. Like the politicians we have now. Yeah, he's the Neville <laughs> Chamberlain of Federation presidents. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's also it for me. It was tricky because her Federation isn't strong, right? And and obviously Starfleet serves the Federation, but Starfleet for a lot of our sort of viewing of Starfleet, Starfleet is a is is the Starfleet of Earth and the Federation, but there's always conflict between sort of not always. There's often conflict between the Federation Council and what happens in, in Starfleet. And I didn't like now with Earth removed, like Starfleet is is literally only the Federation. Starfleet Academy is on a Federation uh, on the Archer space dock and uh all those sorts of things like it it felt like a different relationship between federation and starfleet 
And for me, that sort of, it was bizarre when she first appeared. It was like, are we really going to go? I guess it makes sense because we're dealing with this threat that's, you know, galactic. So we're going to spend the whole season with the, with, uh, with the president of the Federation right here with us. But to me, that was like, well, you've, you've, now you've got two captains and like, shouldn't there, there's just, there seemed like there was way too, it was way too top heavy to me. It was the old Federation. She wouldn't have needed to be there. That's true. Picard would just handle it. You wouldn't <laughs> well, need two captains. You wouldn't need to, you know, you wouldn't need the president. Was also, this is, you know, this is her job. It wasn't just to be president of the Federation. It was to put it back together again. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, I'm going to, well, so I'll just jump in, finish this off with my number one. Uh, which is probably the only only thing on my list or on any of these lists that we've had for this season where I don't have a but in it. The romance between Saru and the yeah Tarina, the Vulcan president, is great. I have no complaints about it. It was a nice slow build. It felt natural, and it was very sweet. And and uh, I got I got no buts in there. Happy for Saru. Yeah. And happy for Tarina. She seems like she she needs it. <laughs> and yeah, and Saru's really nothing great. more to say about it. they were they're adorable together. Yeah, and it's a relationship that feels I I don't know. I was trying to think about it. I, I feel like r- romance on the show and romantic relationships is generally well done. Friendships are not as well done. I find. But uh, this was the probably the strongest romance we've seen, at least where you actually see it beginning. I guess most of the other romances are already in full bloom. Well, we missed we... Broken Burnham's because of the year we didn't get to see. Yeah, and uh, Gray and Adira are already together. Stamets and Colbert are already together. I guess you've got uh, Burnham with Klingon Murderer in season one. Ash, Tyler. Right, right, yeah, Ash. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> yep, there is, and there it went. <laughs> but yeah, this was great. I really liked it. Uh, I, I would. I don't know if I want that much. I I don't know that I would wa- have wanted it to take up more screen time than it did, but it was just the right amount. So yes, I totally agree. I feel like now you've got Saru pulled in three directions going into season five. Like he has three separate and unique drives that will pull him in different directions but other than that i thought it works great like it like it happened it was natural it 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 occurred at a reasonable rate it felt it felt grounded in their characters as well like there was no it didn't feel like oh i mean vulcans must fall in love we do know that happens and Mm. uh other than the fact that he's literally twice her height it Totally great. Uh, so if you say he's pulled in three directions, so presumably it's it's Tarina, it's Starfleet, and his weird kid that he rescued yeah, it, last right, The radioactive kid. Yeah, yeah. The radioactive kid is done. His story's done. We're never going to see him again. I hope not. But yes, like <laughs> it's mentioned several times, and then they, they give some reason that he doesn't have to worry about it, but I don't, I don't feel like we've bought that yet. I'm fine with them hand waving it. Like, yeah, he he calls them now and then. Anyway, back to the ship. 
Because we all know what will happen if he doesn't call him and he gets sad again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can we, are we, can we, I add just add a, three little tiny points about what I liked about the season that don't take up a lot of time. Three quick things. First of all, Vance's, what, Vance's speech about comparing them all to an orchestra. Do you remember that, that bit? He said, he said, Burnham is the first chair violin who has fancy challenging solos. Vance is the drums who sets the pace and Rillick is the conductor. Each of them have their own parts to play and they have to trust the conductor knows the symphony. It was a mm. great description of the command structure. I thought that was great. The second thing yeah. is I always pay attention when they're paging ships. If you'll notice, they mentioned the Nog. Yep. But they also mentioned the Yelchin. Yeah, I caught that one. And I just went, <gasps> like, oh, yeah. that was in the heart. And then, come on, guys, Stacey Abrams. This is great. Yeah. I, I was, I, I, that was kind of spoiled for me, but oh. I was surprised at how much she she said like i i, I thought it well. would just be like a cameo yeah she did great i jumped out of my chair and applauded i just thought that was fabulous and i was so sad because that meant she was in toronto <laughs> <laughs> uh i guess one last question before we go uh a question for for all four of us will we watch next season i will start it i will start it for sure there were moments this season where I was pretty sure I wasn't going to continue with it, but I know myself well enough that I'm pretty sure I'll be back just because I, I, I don't want to miss out on the conversation, I guess, and, and new Star Trek. Although that hasn't compelled me to watch Prodigy, and I know I should. It's on the list. I'm sure I'll get to it eventually. I will say that although it's obviously skewing a lot younger than what we're used to, it's not. It's it's. It's successful storytelling. It's far more interesting to me. Okay. Like it for me it's it's there's pace, the characters are fulfilled and and developed. It helps that there aren't many. Um and it's very it's very contained. Um and I think for the most part it, the acting is working, the writing is working. It it's there's nothing I have no complaints. It's not like it's not I don't think it's as good as as lower decks, or I don't think it's as good as Next Gen or Deep Space Nine, but I have no complaints. Okay, and Jesse, you're the last man standing. I mean, I didn't watch this one, and I mean, I, I have heard a lot of good things about it here. I've read a lot of good things about it online. I've also read a lot of bad things. I don't necessarily think it's a bad show. I think what I want Star Trek to be, it isn't. And I don't watch television casually. I watch Star Trek. So it's, it, Discovery just isn't for me. And I mean, I mean, heck, I watched the new episode of Picard today and I'm sort of on the fence about that now. So it's, you gotta, you gotta, you can't give up on a show over one episode. (laughs) No, what I'm saying is I'm gonna keep watching it, but I'm, under the impression that television in general just isn't my jam. It has to be, in my specific case, it has to fill a very specific niche, and Discovery doesn't do that. Uh, so even with hearing all this good stuff, I'm not really that interested in watching this season, much less the next one. But that's not like a recommendation or advice. That's coming at it from a very specific angle. Dave, Zinni, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. 
Uh, when while we're giving out thanks, um, always want to thank the guy behind our theme song, Oliver Wickham. He's a music producer. He's great at it. Please check out his stuff. He's got a bunch of stuff on Spotify. And finally, of course, we want to thank you. Uh, important announcement for all of you. Um, listen, we, we love having you folks uh, to join us. We love having you as part of the community. We love that we get to do this for you. Uh, just filling you in that Geek Top 5 is going to be on a bit of a hiatus for the next little bit. At the very least, we will be back to talk Season 2 of Star Trek Picard, but we will be between episodes for a little bit. Uh, so you're not going to hear from us. Um, don't get us wrong. You can still reach out. We still love having those conversations. If you have any thoughts about Star Trek Discovery, about things that we missed, about things that we touched that you think maybe we didn't get quite right, even in the, the so-called off-season, we would love to hear from you. Graham, how can they get that stuff to us? Please email us at geektop5 at gmail.com. We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash geektop5, and we're on Twitter at geektop5. You can also go to geektop5.com and leave comments under every episode. We got little comment boards there. And please also go to your uh, podcatcher of choice and rate and review us. Those ratings and reviews make a huge difference, by the way, uh, and actually will probably contribute a little bit to when we're able to get this on the road again. So if you have anything to say one way or the other, please send it along. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 4. Uh, it's all it's all available now. It is complete as of today, as of this recording. Up in Canada, it's on Crave. Uh, down in the States, I guess that's Paramount Plus. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to keep track of down there. You guys are crazy. But Disco is all there, and Picard Season 2 is running. Plenty of Star Trek, more than enough to keep you busy until we get a chance to do this again. Uh, until then, I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And this has been Geek Top 5, and we will talk to you again soon. Bye.